This is Pulse of the Pack. There's Fletcher. Down he goes. And there's Reggie White. White. And that's that hump move. Reggie's coming again. That's Reggie White. Uh, Reggie White's going to take over this game right now. Begins the count. Takes the snap. He has a quarterback. He's the lead game for the first down of the Packers. He did what indeed? I that never ever gets old for me watching that highlight as that game happened. I uh, certainly remember. I think I was 10 years old. That was Mike Sherman's first season as the head coach, if memory serves, for that year. So that was a lot of fun to watch, listen, everything like that, and relive that. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is Sunday. It is 4 o'clock. It is August 16, 2020. There are Packers players. Well, there were. There aren't today at the moment. Players were on the field yesterday having practice, playing somewhat real football. It's good to be here, everybody. I'm your host today. I am Jacob Westendorf. And I am joined, as always, by the very gray Jason Perrone. And you can follow him on Twitter. He's at Jason Perrone. And he's getting grayer by the day. And, of course, Mr. Unlimited, Paul Brettel, is here. And oh, he is still doing that, huh? Oh, I'll see. Uh, every week until I stop finding it funny. So I'm not 100% sure when that'll be. But hopefully before I drive it into the ground, as is my my tendencies mm-hmm. here. And then we have a special guest this week. We have Dan Plucker. And, yes, I did ask if that was how it is pronounced. And it is. It's yes, Plucker. Plucker. You can find him. He is at Dan on the fan and Dan. The story I have is always that I have actually found you through the Michigan website, maize and brew. So I think that's funny, but most of you I'm assuming don't follow maize and brew on Twitter. So you probably know him from (laughs) 105.7, the fan. So Dan, real quick, I've given your, your Twitter information. Tell us about yourself a little bit. Who are you? What do you do? What are some things you like to do? It doesn't all have to be work related. All right. Well, first off, pleasure joining you guys. Uh, Like you just said, my name is Dan Plucker. I'm the executive producer of the Wendy's Big Show over on 105.7 FM, The Fan. In case you're wondering, that's the show with Leroy Butler and former Packer and Badger running back Gary Ellerson as well. They're both on that show. I work with both of them very closely. So lots of funny stories with the two of them, especially with Leroy. And I've grown a really strong relationship throughout the last two years I've worked at 105.7 FM, the fan with him. And honestly, um, I'm not a Packers fan. So I guess I'll kind of start off with that. I'm not, but I've covered the Packers I have for the last two years. And um, it is definitely a different culture from the NFL fandoms that I've had in the past uh, in in the best way, just because when Packers football is on in Wisconsin, life stops. Like everybody is done doing what they're doing and they solely focus on the Packers. And it's incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. You, you go out and it's a ghost town, wherever you're going to pick and save Walmart, whatever it be, because everybody is at home watching the Packers game. And I think that's such a cool part. And it's, I'm so thankful to be a part of a community that is like that with the Green Bay Packers fandom and with all of you guys out there today, listening and watching. So help me out then. You said you're not a Packers fan, but you have a fandom somewhere. I I can draw some dots and connect them, I think. 
but I don't want to assume. So you're going to make me say it. I'm I'm a Lions fan. Um, I just I've never <laughs> actually <laughs> won in the past, so, so you can certainly razz me for it throughout this whole thing. I am a Lions fan, and I have a lot of family that are Packers fans as well because a lot of my family is from Wisconsin, which is part of the reason why I'm here today, sitting in New Berlin, Wisconsin, as we speak. Um, so I've known the Packers fandom for quite some time, for my whole life, in fact. And now to be a part of it is, like I said, it's an honor. It's it's very cool. And to work with some Packers legends like Leroy Butler and being able to talk with several former Packers players and current Packers players and all of the above, it's it's a very, very cool and different culture compared to the ones that I'm used to. Um, not just as a Lions fan, but I also grew up in San Diego where the Chargers played when I lived there. It's not anymore, obviously, since they were in L.A. Oh, yeah, thank you, uh, heroin. Thank you. Yes, uh, it's it's rough. It really is. 0-16 is not fun. <laughs> I uh, I will say this. My favorite Lions stat other than 0-16. Well, there's – yeah. My favorite Lions stat other than 0-16 is in 2019 that the Packers led the Lions for a grand total of yes. zero seconds. <laughs> and they Thank won both. <laughs> I, I had the pleasure of working the Packers post games for both of those days as well on 105.7 FM, the fan with Bill Michaels and Gary Ellerson who do our post game shows. And yeah, that was quite unfortunate because I'm sitting there watching the game, cutting highlights for everything. And then for the next, what, five hours with the three hours of our post game show. And then another two that we did with a post post game show with radio Joe's and Zola. Um, I listened to those field goals of Mason Crosby probably about 500 times in those five hours. So it was not fun. <laughs> well, I will say this. I am uh, unofficially banned from Ford field. I've been there three times. The Packers oh, did you? win. Yeah. The Packers did win once. And that was in 2012. Rogers hit Randall Cobb in the left corner of the end zone late. And it was an empty okay. Jennings pick six game. That's the biggest thing I okay. remember from that game. The other two times were in 2010 when Rodgers got concussed and the Lions won seven to three. I think Drew Stanton was the quarterback that day for the Lions. It was not great. And the the other time was two seasons ago when Mason Crosby missed like 17 field goals or something. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Mm -hmm. There's two of those, actually. There was one where the one in 2012, which is the game I was at that they won, he missed like two or three kicks that day. And the one I just mentioned this pat or two seasons ago where he, I don't understand right. how you can miss six. He kicks like one for six? Yeah. He was like one for six. Right. Or was he oh for six? Uh, he made one at the end. He made one at the very end. That's right. Because they did a drive specifically for him. So he could get his confidence back and kick that one field goal as time expired. If correct. I remember correctly. And I don't know how you go one for six in a dome. I mean, it's like perfect <laughs> conditions. It's, it's crazy, but Mason right. hasn't had, had good luck in there. So everybody let's get the show underway. Big B says, what's up. Good to see you here at Mr. Big B Justin backwards. That's what I'm going to call you from now on. Cause I'm not even try. said he had to speed home. So <laughs> I hope that you didn't get a ticket or anything like that, but it's good to see you guys. Duke. Welcome. Much respect. I think that's because he said he was a Lions fan. So uh, Dan, there you go. You've got that going <laughs> for you. And Jamie, no last name said, at least you didn't say the bears or the Vikings. That is true. Yes, that is a fact. I have noticed that's- that as well. People don't hate me because I'm a Lions fan here in Wisconsin. <laughs> and like I've, we've had other people at the radio station that are bears fans and they just get massacred every day. Like random people will just call in. They'll tell the call screener they're saying something else. And then as soon as they get on there, they'll rip the guy for being a bears fan or a Vikings fan. So I think it's great that I don't get that because I'm a Lions fan. And it's probably because we've sucked so bad for so many years that we're not even really a threat. So yeah, that's, that's actually that's true. <laughs> there's, exactly. there's a, 
there's a thing of like, know who you are. It's kind of like, you know, Badger fans don't really care about Nebraska football fans or something like that because Nebraska right. sucks and they haven't been good since yeah. they've been in the big 10 or like, you know, you don't worry about teams that don't matter necessarily, you know, well, you're a Michigan guy. So you understand, yeah. you know, you don't yeah, Michigan state saying, all that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are just, there are certain teams that just, they don't know who they are. I think the Minnesota golden Gophers are a team that is very much like that. They've had one season of relevance and PJ Fleck is probably designing undefeated championship rings as we speak for this 2020 season that we spoke before the show is not going to happen. So that's, <laughs> back to back that's kind of fun. go champions of the big West. Big that's Ten right. West. Hey, good for them. You know, good for them. Good for you, PJ Fleck, the used car salesman. So let's get into it guys real quick. So Dan, you work at one Oh five, seven. You've mentioned that you work with Leroy Butler. The first request I have is when you go into work on Monday tomorrow, and I am mm -hmm. going to check just so you know, okay. <laughs> I am going to check if you did this, but I want you to tell Leroy Butler that game on Wisconsin thinks he absolutely should be a hall of famer. And so I just and come on our show. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get greedy, but I'll just say absolutely, <laughs> he should be a Hall of Famer. Uh, but just take us through like a day in the life of your job. What's the most fun part of it? Obviously, you're not just doing like we all hear, you know, the two, three, four hours, however long it is you're on the show. We all hear that stuff, but we don't hear everything else and see everything else right. that kind of goes into it. Because obviously you don't just work two hour days. So what's that like and what's the most fun part of it? Right. So I'll tell you first, it's a lot more fun. We're not in the middle of a pandemic and that's because Leroy and Gary are actually in studio. And when you have that dynamic of the two of them together in between breaks, there is so much gold that happens when we are off the air with the two of them just talking about life and, and football and whatever it be. And one, one of the coolest things honestly is working with Leroy and being able to pick his brain really whenever I want. Um, so I, when he was in studio all the time and I would see him every day, I would get the chance to go in there and ask him questions that I'm sure everybody would like to know. Like who was the toughest receiver for you to guard when you were in the NFL? Like if you were on one-on-one -on -one coverage, who would it be? And you know, you would think, Oh, like it was probably Jerry Rice or Michael Irvin or all these other guys that he definitely faced. And no, he told me it was Isaac Bruce. Oh, really? Which, okay. Yeah, he said he ran the best routes out of anybody that he ever faced. And because of that, he said he was the most difficult guy for him to cover. And there's just small things like that that I can just ask him about, pick his brain about, learn more about the game from a guy that played the position and is agreed Hall of Fame caliber at his position and really – changed the history of the game and the way the position was played, being able to blitz as often that he, as he was. Um, so that was really cool. And just that part of it is really cool. As, in terms of what I do every day, um, my job is mostly to book guests and then also to set up and schedule the show and make sure that everything runs smoothly, smoothly, make sure we get all of our endorsements in track, all of that kind of stuff. Any social media work that you see on 105.7 FM, the fan from about one 30 to six o'clock is me. I run the Twitter and the Facebook pages. I screen calls. So if you call into the station ever, um, which is 414-799-1250, if you call in at all, I'm answering the phones. I put up the podcast. I run the website. I do a lot of stuff for the fan as the executive producer. And it's really cool. I don't have any other producer that works with me, honestly. It's just me. And then um, I get a lot of help from Gary and Leroy and then also our other host, Sparky, when it comes to booking some of the bigger name guests. So we have Mark Murphy on. 
it was probably Leroy or Gary who ended up booking him and not me, but I'll take the credit for it. Hey man, you're here. They're not. Take credit for that. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's a real pleasure working at the station with these guys. And it's a lot of fun on a day to day basis, just to not only be able to talk about sports for a living, which so few people can actually say, like I get paid to sit down and talk sports or to help other people talk about sports every single day, which is such a unique opportunity and something that I'm so incredibly thankful for. And not everybody necessarily, I'm not saying this is at 105.7 FM, the fan, but not everybody necessarily always realizes like how cool of a job we actually have to be doing this every single day. And it's something that I really try and um, understand and not take for granted as much as I possibly can. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks again for being on. Of course. Uh, And so question for you. So being in Packers radio and you were talking about prep, and we kind of talked about those two Lions games, for example. You know, you're probably prepping a little bit for what you're going to talk about. And then all of a sudden the Packers win both games and you have to pivot a little bit. Right. So think back to draft day this year. And you can probably see where I'm going with this. You know, the Packers first round selection of Jordan Love, which very few saw coming. So what was the. What was your job like the day after they selected Jordan Love? Do you remember any highlights from the next the next day? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I'll start with the day of the draft because we went through, um, we asked our fans and got a couple of responses and also Sparky and Leroy. And I think Gary was in that day too. I can't remember hundred percent, but we asked, um, who do you not want the Packers to draft? And Leroy Butler goes out and says, I don't want the Packers to draft Jordan Love and says it on air (laughs) and in front of everybody. And ironically, a couple hours later, they end up picking him. And I think Sparky said the same thing. uh, I don't want a quarterback to be selected. And sure enough, both of them, we were playing those two cuts of them saying that for all day the next day. And um, we just got calls left and right of everybody just ripping the pick. And I feel so bad for the guy because – it's, it's very much like Aaron Rodgers when he was drafted into Green Bay from the perspective that all the fans are going to now either hate the starting quarterback or hate the backup for the foreseeable future. And it puts Love in such a bad situation because he is such a raw prospect. It was different in the fact that Rodgers kind of fell to the Packers right into their laps. So when, when, when the trade actually happened, I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh, they're going to draft a wide receiver here, probably Justin Jefferson. And um, I was even dumbfounded that they didn't trade up to that pick where the Cowboys selected at 18 for CD lamb. Like I, I thought, Oh, that's a slam dunk. They should have traded up and picked CD lamb right there. He's like arguably the best wide receiver in this class. And they're getting him as the third receiver drafted. But unfortunately they didn't do that. Um, they didn't draft Justin Jefferson. And then sure enough, they select Jordan love. And all of a sudden life is crazy um, and we knew what we were talking about on the radio for the next two weeks because everything was Jordan Love related. And because of the fact that they had to trade up, it puts so much more pressure on this kid. Like it's it's honestly a little sad, I think, because Packers fans have been and I'm going to try to tread lightly here, but they've been so spoiled with seeing back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And so we get a lot of those people saying, well, the Packers really needed a backup quarterback. You know, we've, we've seen like all these struggles. Now they have this guy. He's going to be just as good as Rodgers and Favre. And it's just like, you have to understand, like it's been 20 plus years of you guys seeing Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like 
as a man who's a Lions fan, who has seen Scott Mitchell, Charlie Batch, Dan Orlovsky, Drew Stanton, Dan Orlovsky, Kitna, the man who went 0 16. I mean, Joey Harrington. (laughs) Yeah, Joey Harrington, who was the top three pick. Like, this is not. This is not something that happens just every day. Like, you don't just pick a quarterback and boom, oh, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback again. Like, that's not a logical thing that happened. But for whatever reason, God loves the Packers, as everybody says. And Damn right. <laughs> and gave them back-to-back Hall of Fame MVP-level quarterbacks. And, I mean, the, the way it works out as a Lions fan, I'm sure as hell Jordan Love is going to be great, too, and he's going to be torturing me and my fandom for the next 10, 15 years as well. Listen, Dan, I am 28 years old, which is about 30 years younger than Jason is, so I just want to point that out as much as I can. <laughs> Jason always 48. stops. <laughs> 48. <laughs> but, so you say that number. Brett Favre started his career in 1992. I was one year old when he started his career, so I literally have only known – Hall of Fame quarterback. Exactly. And the year that the the year the Packers drafted Jordan Love is the year that I became a dad. So I would like to think that she is also only going to know Hall of Fame quarterback. We, we are in, we are entitled. Don't you understand that we are entitled to oh, Hall of Fame quarterback here in Green Bay. That's why we're called Entitled Town. <laughs> and like I said, the fans deserve it. Like this, they're they're so like together with the Packers all of the time. And it's, it's incredible. Like I said, it's incredibly to be a part of this culture. I think that's a great point that you brought up on Jordan love. I mean, if you're in his shoes, your dream has just come true and there's a portion of the fan base. I don't know how large it was among Packer nation. I know a lot of them were upset with the pick, but some might still be asked to become a, you know, so it's just a tough situation, but I, I think the fans will enjoy him. So, Dan, I have my thoughts on what the answer to this question is. But what is more interesting in your job, a Packers win or a Packers loss? And I'm going to add a second question. Last year specifically, did that mm-hmm. change? Because they went 13-3. and three, They won a lot, but they weren't winning how everyone thought they should be winning. Right. So was last year different even though they were winning? So I'll touch on the 13 and three thing first, because something that frustrated me. And like I said, I'm a Lions fan and I always see losing records, even when the Lions are good, like they'll go eight and eight. And so like they may not necessarily deserve the record of the eight and eight. They're probably a 10 and six team. But in reality, they go eight and eight because of poor coaching, refereeing, whatever you want to say. And so last year I have experience with teams underperforming compared to what they should play at. And sure, maybe the Packers a little bit overperformed what their like record showed, but you are what, as Gary Ellerson always says, you are what your record says you are. They were a 13 and three team last year. They were an NFC, almost an NFC champion last year. And so that's what comes a little bit frustrating to me when people say, um, you know, they, they weren't actually that good last year because in reality, they were a pretty darn good football team. Like if you look through, each positional group, they probably were the best or very close to the best in the NFC North and maybe even in the NFC at a lot of those positions, whether that be obviously quarterback, they had Aaron Jones at the running back, Devontae Adams. And sure, you can say whatever the hell you want about the rest of the receiving court because it's garbage. Like, to be honest with you, it's terrible. If you didn't, if you don't have Devontae Adams, you're probably not going to win the NFC North. Uh, but even Devonte Adams, probably the best wide receiver in the NFC North. And then you go on the defensive side of the ball, Kenny Clark, the guy that just got the big extension, probably the best nose tackle, defensive tackle, and 
I won't say defensive tackle because Khalil Mack, but you know, nose tackle for sure in the NFC North. And so they, they had a lot of advantages throughout this position group and throughout all these things that they were the best team in the NFC North last year and deserved to be where they were at. So that's where it gets a little bit of frustrating with me, but to answer your first question, um, it's definitely more fun when they win. And I say that because it's exhaustive when they lose, <laughs> like the job gets 10 times harder when they lose because more people want to talk about it first. But secondly, you're getting a lot of, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, intoxicated people calling in and wanting to rant. And so as a call screener, being that my job, I have to make sure that these people don't get on air if they're, you know, saying things they shouldn't necessarily say. But from a sense, it is more fun also when they lose because you get more fan interaction, which is what we're all about. We love talking with our fans and interacting with our fans in every possible way. But as a Lions fan, even though I am a Lions fan, I do like it more when the Packers win for my job and sanity's sake. <laughs> Bless your heart if that is the case. Uh, that's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine what, uh, what that must be like going through. I mean, I just see – and I have a general – you have a larger following at the fan than I do just on my little Twitter timeline, but I can't imagine the overall stupidity that comes through. Oh. It's relentless. And the worst thing is when people call in and ask for Aaron Rodgers severed head and or some sort of trade that they need to deal him. He shouldn't be the Packers quarterback anymore. Like that just blows my mind. But that's besides the point. We get those all the time after Packers losses. So let's get into the actual team and how things are going. So you're an outsider, obviously. So some bias perhaps is removed. Uh, first of all, I, I will say flat out, I don't believe in objectivity. Uh, I think that that is somebody is slanted in one way or the other. You either let right. unless you have absolutely no opinion on the matter, which is not the case. If you're talking about it, most likely you must have some opinion formed on the matter. So nonetheless, people always complain about non-objectivity in terms of announcers or people like that, but I just don't believe that exists. So that being said, you're not a fan of the team, so maybe some of the rose-colored glasses is off a little bit. For example, you refer to the rest of the receiving core as garbage, whereas people like me and some of the others are trying to figure out how Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling right. or Equinemia St. Brown can, can become this, maybe not Aaron Rodgers and Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and that perfect pack thing from 2011, right. but something that's formidable enough to compete in the NFC. So some of that is off. In general – from the outside looking at what are your thoughts on this team's roster as like you said you just mentioned that they were a good team last year a lot of people expect the packers to regress my comment on that is that well they won 13 games last year so if they win 12 that's technically regressing right. uh, but what are your thoughts on this team as they enter are they the favorite in the nfc north what do you think of the team going into this 2020 season again this is assuming some sense of normalcy because obviously right. injuries always play a part. And I've mentioned this about a million times on every show, but you're one COVID swab away from not having your quarterback for at least two weeks. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, that's what's really the dangerous thing about this season because who knows, maybe we will end up seeing Jordan love sooner than we all wanted to. If something poor does happen, God willing, that doesn't happen. But when it comes to the team, I think, I don't think that they're going to go 13 and three, but I think they're still the best team in the NFC North. Um, some crazy people out there think that for whatever reason, the lions have massively improved. Um, no, that's not true. They've gotten better. Uh, sure. Did Matt Patricia uh, get fired? 
No, not yet. And that's no, why then, they're be mad. And they haven't right. gotten better. <laughs> right, exactly. But and they're also trying to become Patriots 2.0, and that's shows history shows that that's not a good way work. of winning football. It doesn't work, right? If you don't have Bill Belichick, you're not, it's not going to work out. But let me um, run this by you, Dan, because that brings up a good yeah. point on my thought here. So I've, I'm sure you've heard it as a call screener. The Packers are wasting Aaron Rodgers, right? Mm-hmm. But is there really? any team that's wasted a quarterback. If you think about it as much Matthew Stafford, as far as a talent standpoint is a top five talent, maybe not a top five quarterback necessarily, but a top five. Is there any team that's wasted a quarterback the way that the lions, the lions have made the playoffs with Stafford twice, 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 I think twice. They Um, lost to Seattle one year and they should have beaten Dallas, but they had the pass interference flag. Exactly. Yep. So those two times, um, are sadly, I believe, the only times I've seen the Lions in the playoffs in my lifetime, which, again, shows you how spoiled Packers fans are, where if they don't make the playoffs, hell just broke loose. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's – I'll say it this way. It's disappointing how few Super Bowls the Packers have been in and how few Super Bowls the Packers have won with two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like – Three right now, three Super Bowl appearances for Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and two of them were by Favre, who I know this is a little bit controversial. Was not better no, than not. Aaron Rodgers. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, it's not, not better than Aaron Rodgers. Like that. That part is extremely frustrating. If I was a fan of the Packers, for me, that would be extremely frustrating. Um, and knowing and seeing like Rex Grossman made a Super Bowl for the Bears, you know, like like how and Nick Foles even with the Eagles won a Super Bowl. Like how do those teams develop and build with poor quarterbacks and win Super Bowls? But you have arguably the best of all time in Aaron Rodgers and he's only made one. So I don't know if they've necessarily wasted the career of Rodgers because not all of that has been on him. They've been to, you know, a thousand NFC championship games and there's just been better teams. Like the Falcons were a better team. They just were. And this past year, the 49ers, just a better team. You know, that that 49ers team was really talented. And like I said, I like looking at position groups, probably had a lot better position groups overall than the 40, than the Packers did, the 49ers did. So that's that's like understandable. But those other NFC championship losses and years where they honestly should have made the Super Bowl, like when they lost the Giants in the playoffs that one year, um, like they're it's, it's a little bit unexplainable to me. And football is such a fickle thing. There's only one champion every year. So have they wasted the career of Rodgers? I won't go that far, but they're really darn close to missing out on what could have been a multiple championship run with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks with only two Super Bowls, which is so sad to think about. I do like that you brought up the point that, you know, the Niners, the Falcons, Seattle in Seattle, obviously those were better teams. There aren't a lot of the Giants game that you just mentioned. I really do. I think that maybe the Cardinals in 2009, Jason, sorry, but you can bring up those two games as playoff games. The Packers have lost when they were the better team, but I don't think the problem is friend of the show. Peter Bukowski has brought this up before is that the Packers have never had the best team with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Whereas right. like the Super Bowl that Favre won, for example, that team was number one offense. Number Leroy Butler, I'm sure has told you about this. Number right. one offense, number one Our defense, number, number one, one special teams. They were the right. best. That's one of the best teams ever. You know, the Packers, they had 2010 and it felt like it was one of those years where it's like, okay, they got one before they were supposed to. Supposed to, right. Now they're going to go on this run and then they never did. So, And I think uh, that's why, because the national media just – like 
and fix themselves on Aaron Rodgers after that Super Bowl. And so that's why you constantly hear that narrative that they've wasted their career. Stephen A. Smith says it every other day on first take. Like, kudos that you can actually make it through that show. So I give you that. (laughs) I mean, I just see the highlights of it. Trust me, I don't sit and watch the whole thing. I don't think any sane person could. But I mean, he says, like I said, he says it every other day on first take that they've wasted the career of Aaron Rodgers. And I think it's just not enough knowledge of the sport, no offense to Stephen A. Smith, but not enough knowledge of Green Bay and kind of how they have established things and how they run things here. Uh, But going back to this team, which was the original question, I think they're still the best team in the NFC North. I think they're still going to win the division. It's going to be really close with the Vikings, um, but they've just missed so many pieces. I'm I'm really wondering what their defense is going to look like. And who knows who's going to be the quarterback of the Bears, but I don't think that they're a legitimate threat, and neither are the Lions. So it's pretty much a two-horse race, in my opinion, between the Vikings and the Bears and – or between the Vikings and the Packers, sorry. And and if you, if you look at it, um, the Packers aren't that different of a team from last year. Like, they, they, they lost Brian Bulaga. They, they lost Tremont in the secondary, which I don't think is going to be that big of a loss. And if you think about it, that, that right side of the offensive line is still pretty solid. We had uh, Ryan Wood from the Green Bay Press-Gazette on the other day, and he said there's a little bit of a con, uh, competition there between uh, Ricky Wagner and then um, – Lane Taylor. Uh, Billy Turner and Lane Taylor, right. Lane Taylor's back. And I think people forget about Lane Taylor. Like that's, that's what the biggest question mark is on the offense outside of the wide receiving core. And you have three legitimate guys who can start there. Like that's just strange to think about where like we have all of these holes that people want to say, and sure the linebacking position is not necessarily the most beautiful thing in the world. And same thing with the wide receivers, but the Packers have shown that they don't really care about those two positions. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a different offense this year. I think they're going to, it's going to be a lot more running the football if Aaron Rodgers allows there to be a little bit more running of the football. And I think that's why they went with AJ Dillon and Josiah DeGuara with the running back fullback combo. I think we're going to see a lot more pounding of the throat a little bit. And the, the Titans showed it too with this last year. It's, it works like Derrick Henry, they ran Derrick Henry into the ground in Tennessee, but they made a playoff run. And maybe that's kind of what green Bay is looking to try to do too. I mean, the 49ers made the super bowl doing it. They, I mean, what Garoppolo threw seven passes in the NFC championship game. It was a Listen, disgrace for the up. I know it was a disgrace for the Packers defense, but they were running the football and it's proven that it can at least work for a time. Now, nobody's won the Super Bowl necessarily doing that in recent memory, but if it works and it gets you in the game, who knows? That's one game you have to win. And if that's kind of what the Packers are winding up trying to do, then maybe it'll end up working out. We'll see. As far as that difference goes, Dan, you did check out that image of A.J. Dillon on the sideline from practice yesterday, oh, right? Dude, his he's leg bad. doesn't fit in the frame. Because- <laughs> yeah, he is massive. And and we talked about it a little bit on the radio station as well. Those winter games, when it's cold and you got to tackle that dude, that is not going to be fun. That is you not can watch too. I mean, granted, I know this is like the easy comparison too, but with Derrick Henry, you mentioned watching the Patriot, the New England Patriots did not want to tackle him. And that is, right. I mean, everybody knows what I mean when I say the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens couldn't slow him down. And really the only reason Kansas City was able to slow him down is because they have Patrick Mahomes and they right. were able to score enough points to where they... Uh, it's kind of strange because those teams that commit to the running game are also ones that kind of panic when the other team can do those things. You mentioned the 49ers, mm-hmm. for example. They haven't, you said that nobody's won the Super Bowl pounding the rock, but if the 49ers had just stuck with pounding the rock, 
we're probably right. talking about them as defending Super Bowl champions right That's now. True. But when the other guy on the other side has an S on his chest, like Patrick Mahomes does, it's hard to that coach is almost feels like I've got to keep up with it. You know, I've got to keep up with that passing game. And you really don't. You kind of saw it. um, The game that comes to mind for me is uh, the run the table stretch when Aaron Rodgers was playing out of his mind and Dallas, who had gone all season, handing the ball to Zeke, playing balance that way, trying to put the game in the hands of Dak Prescott to keep up with Aaron Rodgers. What happens? They dig a 21 to three hole because they don't play their identity. Now, eventually that game ended up way closer than it maybe should have been, but that's how it happened. So, um, Guys, let's do one more question. I don't know between the two of you, Jason, Paul, you can fight to the death, but uh, Dan, you've been great. So we'll do one more and then uh, we'll, we'll get you on your, on your merry way here. All right, Dan. So in our discussion, you've mentioned Kenny Clark, Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones. Um, who's one of the not, you know, big guys, superstars on the team that you're excited about this season. Kevin King. I think he is the most intriguing Hell football yeah. player on this roster right now. He, when he is on the field, he is an incredible corner, probably top 15, 20 in the league. And if you can combine that with Jair Alexander, who's proven himself already to be a top 10 cornerback and in a, in a, a contract season for him too, because his deal's up after this year, I think he's after Kenny Clark. I think he ha- is the second most important player on this list of people that are potentially going to be free agents. And David Bakhtiari for sure is up there too. I love David Bakhtiari as the left tackle, but with Kenny, Cl- or sorry, with um, Kevin King and his contract running out, I think that he, he has his back against the wall a little bit here. And if he can show out, he's going to get himself a nice little payday. And we, we were just talking about it with all of these teams that are passing the football and passing the football hard these last couple of years, like the chiefs who are winning Super Bowls. It shows how important a secondary, a strong secondary is going to be to winning a championship. And if you can add a fourth piece to the Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, if he can really step up this year, he's another guy that really needs to, if they want to make a playoff run. And then Alexander, and if you can get Kevin King in there, a guy that can lock up the number two wide receiver on some of these elite, elite offensive rosters, it's going to be really interesting. This defense is going to be very strong and very tough to beat. Yeah, and you great don't hate a guy. You don't hate, and you don't hate a guy who says, "Hey, listen, I'm the other number one corner on this defense." Exactly. Right? Exactly. I'll say this: the Packers secondary is not lacking for confidence no. between <laughs> Jair, AK saying that the other day. Darnell Savage says he's not going to stop till he's all the way to the top. Adrian Amos just has this quiet. I don't know if you've ever spoken with him and can confirm oh, this, but he just times, carries. Yeah. He just carries himself as this quiet, confident mm-hmm. guy, and he's really he's like gross. the. Pro- Absolutely. Yeah. The Packers are very lucky to have him. So he's Dan Plucker. He's 105.7 FM, the fan. He said that about a million times today so far. So he's great for that company and the advertisement there. (laughs) Dan, you were awesome. We will have you back whenever you like talking. Maybe uh, we can have you for Packers Lions when they have uh, their first game. So we can bring you in for a preview on that. That would be awesome. Uh, but we appreciate you stopping by. And then, uh, like I said, I'm going to check with you tomorrow to see if you told Leroy that we think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. So thanks for coming, <laughs> right, Dan. We'll, we'll see you next time. Yeah, yeah, see ya. Thanks, Dan. Again, that was Dan Plucker. Uh, we appreciate coming here. AJ Dillon's legs are the goat, apparently. So thank you, Janelle. Uh, I agree, whatever that's worth. Uh, I don't know if you guys have you guys have seen that picture. We've alluded to it. So Of course. Let's digest that a little bit, guys. That was really good. The conversation there was really good. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Packers roster, and it was kind of nice seeing 
obviously he lives in the Green Bay area, deals a lot with the Packers, but is not a Packers fan. So it's kind of nice to get that outsider's perspective on on what the roster maybe looks like and really a really high opinion of Kevin King. So that was mm-hmm. a nice thing uh, to kind of hear from the outside as well, because Kevin King, I think, is one of the more polarizing players on this mm-hmm. Packers roster. So let's jump into the news, though. Yesterday, obviously, the big one, uh, Jason, the man behind you here, got a contract extension. Kenny Clark, four years, $70 million, a $25 million signing bonus. And that, according to Tom Silverstein, is the largest signing bonus that the Packers have ever given out to a defensive player. It surpasses Zadarius Smith just last offseason and Clay Matthews when he signed his extension in, I believe, what was 2012. So that was kind of cool to see. Uh, I heard the players did a breakdown, and it was Kenny on three, which is awesome. Uh, I remember training camp one year I went. It was 2014 because I remember it being the year that the Packers should have won the Super Bowl. Jordy Nelson got his extension right before the first day of practice. And it was kind of the thing that, so Ross Uglum of Packer Report and Ryan Hillsland of Packer Report, the previous night had tried to kill me. I'll let you guys figure out how, but uh, we were (laughs) Irish car bombs and pretty much anything that was, I put it this way. When we pulled into town, we said we need to stop at the express and find every single bottle of Gatorade that's in there. (laughs) That's kind of what woke us up, though, was everybody kind of cheering because the news broke that Jordy had just gotten an extension. So that was really cool. But it was kind of cool to see that. But just, Paul, run it by me. Just general thoughts on Kenny getting an extension. I don't think anybody here is going to be upset because we're sane people on this show. But, I mean, if you're not, then feel free to tell me. <laughs> no, he was, I mean, he's worth every penny. I think the biggest question in all of this that we were all wondering was when. Uh, right out, I mean, back in January, Goody was asked about he mentioned that it's something they want to get done. He also said that it takes time too, especially when you're dealing with, you know, this amount of money. And then the COVID-19 pandemic happens. Clark, with an interview with Wildy, I believe, um, mentioned that that slowed everything down. But it was just a matter of when. He's 24 years old only. I know that's what everyone says, but it truly is. How is he only 24 years old? And he's one of the best interior pass rushers in the game. Focus metrics, he was second last season in run stops. And he was six in pass rush productivity. So running the ball, passing the ball, he he gets the job done. And for as much grief as the interior defensive line has received this offseason, imagine not having Kenny Clark in there and where this I, Packers team would be. I've said this before. I think I've said it on this show that I think that other than Aaron Rodgers, because obviously the quarterback, but as far as drop off from one to two, Mm-hmm. the position group that can least afford number one to be out for an extended period of time is the defensive line with Kenny Clark. And we'll talk about some of that as we go along here. I agree, Paul. I think it was always a matter of when Gutekunst, I think talked even two weeks ago and basically said with the shrinking, potentially everybody yep. assumes the salary cap is going to shrink shrink. I think that's a fair assumption, but assuming the salary cap shrinks, he said the priorities haven't changed. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was just a big flashing red sign that said, we're still going to sign Kenny Clark. And probably yeah, they David never Bakhtiari. said names, but we all knew what it meant. <laughs> right. And probably David Bakhtiari too. So that was a big red, red flag, right? Well, red flag means something bad. It was a good green thing, flag, a green flag that said, yep, we're signing Kenny. It's just a matter of when. Now, what I wonder is when Kenny was on Lombardi's bar here at game on Wisconsin last week, if he knew that they were close to a deal. So I'm curious on, on how that went, but his story on that was really cool on how he found out and called his agent back at midnight and all that stuff. Yeah. Something I think that 
maybe we take for granted and maybe this is me having rose colored glasses, I'm sure, but the Packers really do. They appear to have a lot of genuine likable men on their team. And Kenny Clark is another one in that line and list of people. So Jason run again, I assume your thoughts are very much the same on keeping Kenny around. Tell me though, about what you think about. So assuming the Packers don't make any roster cuts, and I know Paul's been advocating for cutting Preston Smith for about a month now, but Nothing. Okay. <laughs> all right. We're just going to let that be, but just roll with it. <laughs> just roll with it. Okay, I assume so, everyone knows that. No, that is not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good assumption. Uh, but assuming that the Packers don't make any surprise roster cuts or have to do anything for the salary cap, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos. And I think it's a safe assumption that Jair Alexander is going to get a second contract. Those six defensive players are going to be in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. And that doesn't include players like Rashawn Gary, who could take a step, Kingsley Kiki, who could take a step, Christian Kirksey, who could be an upgrade at the inside linebacker position. But tell me about that core on the defensive side of the ball and what you think that that might mean moving forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And and Kenny Clark played a lot of snaps, too, to add to the stats. I mean, he at one point last year had more snaps on the interior of the defensive line than anybody else. So not only is he worth every penny anyway, but he does not come off the field. So you're getting max value there as well. And the reality is in a couple of years, that contract's going to be under value and the Packers are going to be getting the better end of it. And that's just the way that things go. But yeah, the core is exciting. It's It's a young group. Those guys are going to be together for a couple of years. And even if the record doesn't get better in terms of 13 wins this defense is going to become i mean with the swagger that they have we talked about the confidence we had dan on talking about kevin king all that it's just hard not to think the defense isn't going to become the identity of this team especially when they move on from aaron Rodgers. and i'm not saying jordan love can't necessarily become that dude and carry it on and, and make the offense you know the the light show the laser light show again but the packers are built around smash mouth football now under matt lafleur the running game the bigger bodies you know, DeGuara, Dylan, the defense is a huge part of that. And I think that that core is is a big piece of it. So while it was kind of frustrating last year that they couldn't get past San Francisco or at least put up a little better showing in San Francisco because of that run game and just getting worn down, I don't I don't see that happening. Hopefully that was peak bad from a defense under Matt LaFleur and whoever he's got running his defense in, in terms of a coordinator because these guys are – only going to take the biggest jump forward. I mean, one of the biggest additions to this team, as we've said before, is going to be the additional year of experience for a lot of these young guys. And you just named five of them. If you fall five of them, take a step forward. How much better can this defense be? I mean, they could be a top five unit. I just want to add one more thing, Jake, piggybacking off what you said, you listed all those defensive players and this off season has been focused on, I think what the Packers don't have or what they're lacking and people have forgotten about how much talent is on this team? Yep. Clark, the Smiths, you know, Jair King, Sam, Amos Savage, offense, Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae, David Bakhtiari. You know, if Jay Sternberger takes a step forward, there's all this focus on what they don't have, and people are forgetting that this is a super, super talented team and a young yeah. one at that. Yeah, and not focusing on what they do have. And I understand, I think that's kind of what happens when you take a, a long-term approach, essentially, in the draft. Like I said, I wonder – how much different, let's just say the Packers don't trade up for Jordan Love, draft him, get a receiver in the second round, get A.J. Dillon in the third round and DeGuar in the fourth round. Is everybody still bitching? I don't think so. Or Peter uh, Bukowski said, what if they signed Tremont and Snacks? How do you feel about the offseason? And I bet, and I think a lot of people's opinions would have been different right now. Man, I'm telling you, I really do. I don't, I mean, I'm not going to put, I never think that you're one player away, 
but Kenny Clark was talking yesterday about moving around the defensive line and stuff like that and finding just somebody like Snacks Harrison that can just come in and be run a stuff. force on those rundowns that's not Tyler Lancaster, with all due respect to Tyler Lancaster. I, I just think that that's something that could so help this team. I know they're probably not going to do it, but I do know, like I've mentioned on this show as well, Ross Uglum did report from Packer Report that the Packers did make a competitive offer to Snacks Harrison. It's just a matter of what he kind of wants to do. That leads us into, we're talking Kenny Clark, and I've got a little present for you guys. This is a Kenny Clark photo, and it is signed, and it is a giveaway that we're doing. So feel free on the bottom line to check our pinned tweet on our Twitter account. We are going to give it away. All you need to do is make sure you're following our account. If you retweet the tweet, it gives you an extra entry, and let us know who you think has more rushing yards in 2020, Jamal Williams or AJ Dillon. We've had about a hundred entries so far. We appreciate the interaction, but we have that running until Saturday at noon, Saturday, August 22nd at 12 PM. That whole thing closes and we'll pick a winner, but it's an easy way. You don't really have to do a whole hell of a lot. Just tell your friends, make burner accounts and follow our account. I don't care. Kevin Durant has like 10 burner accounts and he's really famous. So go ahead. That's fine. Do all that if you need to, but we have a giveaway Feel free to do that. And we actually were going to give you guys some information on a giveaway for Jason's hat that he's wearing right there. So Jason, pull your head down a little bit. Literally my hat, this very Literally. one, right? That here. very one. Yep. So we have one like that. We also have a few green ones with the yellow logo, which I don't have. I didn't wear it today. I probably should have, but we were going to talk about giveaways for those, but with Kenny Clark having the extension, we decided to go that route first. So we're going to go that route first. Guys, speaking of Kenny Clark and the extension, there's been a lot of talk about the Packers free agents. So my next question is who is next? And by that, I'm talking Corey Lindsley, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, David Bakhtiari. Those are really the big four. Uh, with all due respect to guys, sorry, Big B, Jamal Williams. Big B apparently needs this hat. So Big B, maybe we have to figure out a way to make sure you, we might have to rig the vote for you to win. I'll tell you what, Big B, you Venmo me $500 right now. I'll make sure you get one of those hats. All right. How about that? Um, we'll, we'll figure something out for you, buddy. Um, anyways, my question was, who is next? And by that, I mean, who do you guys think? Not who would you, because I think if I said, who would you guys extend next? I would like to know, or I would like to believe that all three of us would say David Bakhtiari. Correct? Correct. If we said, who would you extend next? Okay. My question is, Jason, I'll start with you. Who do you think is going to be extended next? I still think it's going to be Bakhtiari because he's, you lock that up. It's a premier position. You lock that up, and then you figure out what you're going to do outside of that. The Packers already know what they're going to do, so I'm not nervous about it or worried. But I, I think it's I think it's Bakhtiari. You just you get that taken care of. For what it's worth, not that teams necessarily care about their players that way. They care about their players, but you know the NFL is a business, and and players are important to the team until they're not anymore. So I'm not saying that they owe David Bakhtiari any optics or you know, any kind of, Hey, you're first out of respect, but I think because of the position that he plays, you get that taken care of. And then, then you figure out what you're going to do from there, but it's really a, a function of whoever gets the next deal is fine, but they already know who's two, three, and four on that list. So as long as they get it right overall, I guess it really doesn't matter, but I, I still think it's, I think, still think it's Bakhtiari. Justin backwards is asking me to get Ross on a game on show. So Aaron, if you're still here, please screenshot that screenshot that and invite Ross, please. Cause Ross is my homie. He's my longest standing podcast partner uh, since 2013, I think. So I would love to have Ross on a show like this. Uh, my captain over at Packer report. So Ross, if you're listening, I know you're on a boat with your family, so you're probably not, but if you happen to hear this later, you have an open invitation to hang out with us anytime that you would like uh, Paul, who do you not, who do you know, or what do you, 
what would you do? But who do you think is next as far as extensions go? And the answer can still be nobody. Uh, well, I don't think that's the answer. And not to be anticlimactic, but I think it's David Bakhtiari. Um, you know, if we look at the importance of the positions, it would be him or Kevin King at cornerback. And I think there's just still not saying they wouldn't um, extend King, but I think there's still some question marks right now that he has to answer. He had a really nice season last year. Um, but before that, he had played in 15 of his first 32 games. I think there's still some health concerns or questions that he has to answer showing that durability once again. But David Bakhtiari is one of the best, if not the best, left tackle in the game. And many consider him the best tackle when it comes to pass protection. And when you think of the future of this Green Packers team, Jordan Love taking over potentially in a year or two years, what do you do for a young quarterback? You make sure he has blockers in front of him. Especially so on his blind the, side. Yes, exactly. So from that standpoint, not the, not the you know, like I said, it's anticlimactic, but I think David Bakhtiari is the answer. See, mine is not anticlimactic. And I talked about this last night on the round table. I've tweeted about it today. This is not what I would do. My answer, like I said, would be David Bakhtiari. I think that getting the Clark deal done now puts the Packers in play to potentially use the franchise tag on David Bakhtiari as well. If they can't get to a deal, if COVID ruins a few things, whatever it is that they need to do. I think David Bakhtiari is a member of the Packers in 21, whether that's by a extension or by a franchise tag. That being said, I think that the next player to get a deal done, Ian Rappaport had a video spot today on NFL Network and said that the Packers have a priority of other players on the team. And he mentioned Kevin King, Aaron Jones, and David Bakhtiari. Now, that's not any groundbreaking stuff. However, that is a part of a discussion where he also said they would like to get Aaron Jones paid. This goes back to all the way back in March, Rob Domofsky reported everybody focused on the part where the Packers said they were going to make a run at Austin Hooper or the report, part of the report that said the Packers were making a run at Austin Hooper. They did do that. They lost out on the Browns probably for the better. The other part of that report was that Aaron Jones and the Packers have mutual interest in a contract extension. Aaron Jones has been on the NFL network since that time. And relatively recently, I think it was in June. I don't know that to be exact, but he said that the two sides have been in touch as far as a new contract said he would let his agent take care of it, but he does know they have been in touch. My question to you guys is when the Packers have not wanted to get a deal done with somebody, Brian Balaga, Blake Martinez, players that have walked, Micah Hyde comes to mind. Casey Hayward comes to mind. Just players that they essentially just went radio silent on those guys, never contacted them. When is the last time the Packers have been in touch on a player? And granted, we don't know everything, but when is the last time you've heard a report that the Packers have wanted to extend a player and they have not extended him or gotten a deal done at some point, whether in free agency or just before that deadline? I think the answer to this question for who is next is Aaron Jones. And the reason is because his contract will not be as expensive. It's a little less complicated than David Bakhtiari's. Ultimately, I think they do sign both of those guys. King and Lindsley are allowed to walk because of financial implications. But I think Aaron Jones's deal is the one that's a little bit easier to do because running backs, the market just the defending rushing champion just got a two year deal. Like there's just not a whole lot of money going towards running backs. So I think the Packers can find a contract that makes sense to them. I think you're going to see if you guys want to go back and watch. I talked about this last night with Dusty Evely, the Seattle game from the playoffs. 
how they use multiple running backs and how they do that stuff. They need a lot of guys in the backfield that they trust to be able to do that. And last year they really only trusted until the end of the season when they had Tyler Irvin, AJ Dillon or AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Well, you can't run two back sets for a decent portion of the game when there's only two of them that you trust, you need more guys that you can kind of rotate in. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that stuff this year. But I think Aaron Jones is the next player to get a contract extension. I'm a very big believer that when there's smoke, there is fire. And there's been a lot of smoke about the Packers wanting to get an extension done about Aaron Jones. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm not necessarily saying this is the way I would do it. I've all We've said it all together on the show a million times. Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiar, everything else is gravy. Well, I think they're going to go with a little bit of gravy before they go with the mashed potatoes to finish off that terrible joke and terrible pun. So there's those are really joke. those are really good points, though. I mean, like you said, where there's smoke, there's usually fire with the Green Bay Packers. Right. Yeah, and I and I think that you've seen it too. When they prioritize guys, the deal gets done. It's been I can't remember a player, and if I'm wrong, tell me in the chat. Somebody tell me I'm stupid on Twitter. You guys are, do really well at doing that, anyways. But if I'm wrong, and there's somebody that the Packers were in touch with, and they didn't get a deal done, please let me know who that was. Cause I can't think of somebody that you're like, man, I really thought they had him and they lost as far as guys that were already in their building. Yes. Right. They lost out on free agents. I, I understand that. Well, but Jared Cook, if you listen to what his agent said, but I'm not sure that was true back then, but that's. Yeah. I, I tend to think that they prioritized dingling. So that's what yeah. they had. A, uh, yeah. It, it wasn't great. So we don't need to talk about it because now I'm just sad. So thank you, Jason, for ruining my life. You have a habit of doing that. King of sadness here. Guys, they've had practice. There was a day that they had football players on the field and they did stuff. And I want to start with a few different things uh, first. But the first thing I want to start with was Tim Boyle's laser show. He was QB2 going into yesterday. Completed a nice ball to Marquez Valdez. Scantling, thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you more than you will ever know. Um, Tim Boyle, QB2 guys yesterday. I think we're all in agreement they're going to keep three quarterbacks. I think normally I would argue that they shouldn't do that. But in a year like this year where, like I said, you're one COVID swab away from two guys being down for two weeks. I mean, that would be just an absolute disaster if they only kept two quarterbacks, both of them test positive for COVID. And now you're bringing in some random dude off the street that's never played in the offense or just somebody that you're throwing out there and hoping they'll run the ball 80 times and hope that he can complete a couple passes. I mean, it might look like a 1920s game or something like that. So they're going to keep three guys, but Paul, do you think that this is just lip service or does Tim Boyle really have a chance to be the backup quarterback going into 2020? I think he has, I think he has, honestly, I think from, I mean, from an optic standpoint, you want the quarterback that you traded up for in the first round to be your quarterback number two. But I think just with the off season that they've had, there are no rookie camps, no mini camps, OTAs, no preseason games, practices are delayed. I mean, the rookies just have, and everybody has less time in the building this year. So I think from that standpoint, and we already know how difficult of a transition it is from college to the NFL, Tim Boyle, who's now in his third season with the Packers, second in the LeFleur offense, he probably is better off at this point. Um, as being, you know, he's obviously further along in the offense, understanding of everything, of everything. So I, I don't read too much into it. I know there's some out there that might be upset, like I said, cause they traded up and now he's quarterback three. It's been a really, really odd off season. And these rookies are 
it's already a challenge to transition to the NFL and it's even more difficult this year. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I think that you mentioned optics. I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, honestly, right. I don't, I hope Tim Boyle and Jordan love don't play anyways. So whoever, whoever is listed as the backup quarterback, realistically, if you're keeping three, it doesn't matter. If, if Rogers knock on wood gets hurt, then they'll probably like, if they really think that one of them is better than the other, I think that you'll see they've moved stuff around like that before too. I mean, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Who's listed as QB two, in my opinion. Uh, but Jason, what are your thoughts? Is that a big deal? Do you want to see it as Jordan love? What do you think is, um, you know, who the backup, the, Backup in name, I guess, is going to be going into the regular season. Yeah, I think it's just a number. It's in this year, it's an off year. It's weird. It's kind of an asterisk on it because of all the stuff that's going on. So, whatever the team decides to do, they did, that's going to be a huge factor. And it's not a normal year. So, I guess it doesn't matter. Just put the best guy out there. If it's mm-hmm. Jordan Love isn't ready, we all understand that. I don't think anybody's going to chastise him for it. There'll be some that will, but he hasn't, he hasn't had any time to prep practice or get in sync with any of these guys. And if he's not ready to go out there, then that's why they kept the third quarterback, and that's why Boyle's there. Yeah, I tend to agree. So we'll we'll see how that goes. The other thing, one of the more interesting things, and I don't think it's gotten a lot of publicity. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'm just not paying attention or something. But Tyler Irvin with a position change, and I have the question mark after that because he was doing stuff yesterday with the wide receivers, and something that has been talked about is how the Packers don't have a lot of positional versatility within their wide receiver group, and they don't have that shifty, quick – Randall Cobb type slot receiver, but Tyler Irvin was doing stuff with the receivers yesterday. And I think that's interesting. Number one, because he wears number 32 and that'll piss off Andy Benoit. And I am all for, I'm all for all of those things. So they had a running back who wore 88. Now they'll have a receiver who wears 32. So let's do it. Let's get, let's get crazy. Irvin was one of those guys that I think we kind of just penciled him in on the roster and didn't really care about his position because it's like, well, he's not, really going to contribute a whole hell of a lot on the offensive side of the ball. He's there to return kicks and punts, but it seems like based on one practice and we can draw all kinds of conclusions based on one practice, that Tyler Irvin might be a wide receiver. If there, if he's a wide receiver, that might be your shifty, fast gadget play slot receiver that the Packers have seemed to lack. Now they did some stuff with him last year and they didn't really, I think didn't use it enough as far as some of the stuff they did with Tyler Irvin. There's a, a reverse pitch, if you will, that they ran against Seattle. I think it was early in the second half, or maybe it was late in the first half, some time frame in the playoffs where Irvin got the ball on a pitch, but it was a misdirection run. And it was really nice. It was a cool little play and it worked for about 12 yards and then they never came back to it. So I'm curious to see what they do with that. Paul, are you comfortable if Tyler Irvin is getting snaps over guys like, cause if you think about it, if they're running 11 personnel and Tyler Irvin's one of the three wide receivers, then you figure that Devonte Adams and Alan Lazard are the other two. Are you okay with him kind of taking snaps, if you will, from EQ, MBS, Malik Ta- Taylor, all the guys that they have, the, the kind of the other dudes at the end of the rosters for, for the receiver position. Yeah, hundred percent. Honestly, I was kind of almost expecting it, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, on the field more than Lazard or even St. Brown in terms of snaps. He's a different, you know, skill set and body type than what those guys, than what those guys do. And as you said, from the slot, I think that he can be a real weapon there for them. And as far as the position change, I, cause he does kind of have that, you know, versatility, that gadget player that LaFleur can use. I still imagine we'll see him in the backfield. 
Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams. You don't necessarily Irvin being your running back either. So I think he's going to – I think the floor is going to move him all over. And uh, like you said, I think the slot can be a good spot for him um, with the skill set and speed that he has. I think the interesting part about Irvin being a receiver is just the way they would build the roster because you figure we've all kind of penciled in four running backs, right? Jamal Williams, mm-hmm. A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and Irvin being the fourth guy. But if Irvin's technically a receiver – Matt LaFleur, maybe I'm thinking too much about this, and Jason, tell me if I am, but he did mention that he was excited to see Dexter Williams potentially take a step. And this is a guy who last year in the preseason, you saw it right away of how he can really look the part with this zone running scheme. And he was in the doghouse and really never got out of it last year. But if he takes that step, one, big B, plug your ears again, could they cut Jamal Williams? Or two, could they keep Williams as their fourth running back and really – Something I'm interested to see and something they did really well last year, I thought, was the pony package. And I, we talked about that a little bit earlier, where they have two backs on the field at the same time. Well, if you have four, or with Irvin, five guys that you can kind of interchange like that, you can run a lot more of that pony package stuff. Whereas last year, where it was just Jamal and Aaron, you can't really do a lot of two running back stuff when there's only two running backs that you trust. So they need more guys that they could trust. But what are your thoughts on the roster building portion of this thing, Jason? If Irvin is a wide receiver, could that leave someone like St. Brown, MBS, Reggie Begleton, guys like that off the roster? Or do they just kind of call him a receiver, only keep the three running backs, and kind of build the roster that way? Yeah, I think it's more going to impact like a Begleton who's never played before versus an EQ or an MVS who they they drafted and they have plans for. You would think. The other thing is, is and he's not a running back and and he's um, you know the new H back. Love it. Maybe it's just as simple as like, hey, we're going to keep him and Deguara, and it's just a numbers thing for them how they want to shape out shake out the roster, even though they're not position for position and it's you know receiver for running back and Dexter Williams is more of a pure running back and so sure. You'd like to see him get a chance, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic at best that that happens. So, and it, it could also be one of the other running backs that comes up, and they they've already got an idea of who's going to play well and do some of these other things. Tyler Irvin's just a guy that you got to get on the field. He's kind of like the the not quite the same level Darren Sproles, and if you can get that type of player in your offense going to create problems for opposing defenses and they've already got guys that can do that like Deguara and Sternberger that you hope and Aaron Jones is dynamic as well so I like whatever they've got to do to get Tyler Irvin on the field I'm all for it because when they did do some of those things last season it was pretty successful it made the offense churn I need to figure out a way to get a hot key because anytime somebody says Deguara all I can ever think of is and we have lost Paul so we're going to figure that part out here but um, is Matt LaFleur just saying oh I love Josiah so I, I need to figure out a way to get that as a hotkey or something going into this as we kind of go into this show. Jamie, no last name, which I think is a fantastic last name. Asked if it was a crazy idea to keep four running backs and does the cap allow the cap? Yeah, that that's no problem. The Packers just haven't done it. And I think, I mean, what was it? 2016, I think they only had Eddie Lacey and James Starks and they only kept two, which was kind of crazy to look at. Um, and then they ended up, really regretting that as Lacey got hurt, Starks got concussed, Lacey's leg blew up, was never the same, and Ty Montgomery became the running back by the end of the season. So I think that's something that the roster is going to look different. I just don't know exactly how yet that's going to be with what the Packers 
want to do? Because we know the offense is going to look different, right? We know they're going to have more tight ends on the field at more times, more running backs on the field. I just mentioned that earlier. Different things that they're going to do, how that impacts how they build the roster. There, there are years in very recent memory, 2018, they kept eight receivers out of training camp. Now, eventually they pared that down a little bit. I don't think they're going to keep more than five. Now, I would be surprised if that was the case that they kept more than five, but it certainly is a possibility that they only keep those guys. So I think that you could, and honestly, I don't think they'll do this, but I think there's a world that exists where they only keep four because if they're going to throw the ball more to guys like Aaron Jones and Tyler Irvin and Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon and some of the, the tight ends and everything like that. And we have Paul back. So that's good news. I was, I thought you were, your computer limited you for a minute there, but Mr. Unlimited will not be kept down. <laughs> Our uh, everything here flickered in and out for about a split second. Well, congratulations. Welcome to my world. We lost power on Monday and I didn't have it back until Friday. So I was uh, living in the, the Amish lifestyle, if you will, for a little <laughs> while. So that was, I did not realize how reliant on technology that I am until I didn't have Any. my television, my computer. <laughs> I'm sitting in my car to make sure that my cell phone is charged because it's my alarm clock as well. So I have to have that ready for the next day. It was crazy, man. I, I do not, 10 out of 10 would not recommend. So Paul, you kind of came in as we were getting ready to transition topics real quick. And I wanted to, we're running really long on time. So I just want to keep this lower, but the right side of the offensive line competition, Dan kind of talked about it a little bit. Paul, you've written several times not to count out Lane Taylor. It's interesting that Rick Wagner is this free agent signing and you would think that he would get the first reps and he doesn't. Um, I mean, they're not paying him a large sum of money. I will say this, the competition on the right side of the offensive line is not between Lane Taylor and Billy Turner or Rick Wagner and Billy Turner. I think four starters on the offensive line are decided upon David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner. It really is. Do they have Lane Taylor start at guard and Billy Turner play tackle or Billy Turner start at guard and Ricky Wagner play tackle. I am interested to see what they do on that. But yesterday the first reps were, Lane Taylor at right guard and Billy Turner at right tackle. I think that that's something that we haven't, we kind of talked about it last off season when they signed Turner, that could they let Belaga walk and kick Turner out to right tackle? Cause he's played out there before. I'm just interested to see how that goes. Paul, do you have a preference at this point for what those or what that combination would be? Oof. Um, I've been pretty vocal this whole off season that that's my biggest concern on this team is that right side of that offensive line. If I had to, I agree with you though. I think Turner's pretty much locked in. It's just a matter of where. I mean, he's Lafleur's guy, Goody's guy. They signed him. He's getting paid a big amount of money, so I think that for him to be benched, he's really going to have to be struggling. But as far as what I would choose, I hope Rick Wagner can beat him out because the thought of Billy Turner out on the edge just. I just don't see that ending well for the Packers. I mean, there were times last year, you know, as a guard in the interior where he was in space a little bit. He just just struggled with that. And so Turner or uh, Wagner's coming off a down season. Injuries have been a part of his career, but he's been a tackle, an NFL tackle his entire career. He has way more experience out there than what Billy Turner does. So if he's healthy, I would hope that he's – could beat out Turner for that job because I think Turner's just better suited for a guard. So my guess is Turner right guard and Wagner, or not, not my guess. What I hope is Turner right guard, Wagner right tackle. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see because the other thing that we kind of talked about yesterday on our roundtable discussion was that the Packers really don't have a backup left tackle. Now, granted, a lot of teams don't have backup left tackles. Tackle, A lot of teams don't have starting left tackles for that matter. I mean, the Chicago Bears are starting Charles Leno Jr. I mean, they've they've had some rough goes at left tackle in recent memory. Let's just say it that way. Um, there's just the – the state of the position, it's a, it's a tough spot. So when you have a good one, you got to keep them upright and keep them in, in the fold. So uh, Brian Gutekunst, if you're listening, that means pay David Bakhtiari. And David Bakhtiari, if you're listening, Kenny Clark came on Lombardi's bar and he got his extension uh, about 10 days later. So <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't happen or it did happen because he came on the show, but I'm definitely not saying it didn't either. Uh, but anyways, Jason, with the competition, when do you think – and they asked Aaron Rodgers this yesterday is we're 28 days before the regular season starts. When do you think that that side needs to be set to start building some of that continuity? Do you have a deadline in mind or do you think this is something last year, the Packers took the left guard competition into the regular season. <laughs> Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins were rotating throughout the course of games until Lane Taylor got hurt. And then Jenkins took over. But do you think that this is something that they have to set up a little bit sooner, if you will? No, take it as long as it needs to go. And because Lane Taylor's been in this offense before, well, he's, he's been on the team for a while. Billy Turner's – these are veterans. None of them are rookies, so there's no reason to rush it. Rick Wagner is a veteran, even though he doesn't know the offense necessarily as well. Take it all the way down and and let it figure itself out. And, and yeah, if we're in a week three or four and they're still making switches, that's fine. I, it doesn't matter. As long as as long as the quarterback is clean and the, the running backs have lanes to run through, then do what you got to do. That's one thing I appreciate that Lafleur is doing is he's letting these guys compete for it because it could be real easy. You know, Wagner's in coming in. We paid him. He's our right tackle, but they're going through the competition to find the the best man for the job, and that's what they should be doing. Yeah, I enjoy the the competition and the something that I've noticed about Lafleur early on is he's not afraid to. Whereas maybe something with McCarthy was that loyalty to a fault kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year, Alan Lazard earns more reps. He's on the field, like he's just he he works his way out of the field. Whereas with McCarthy, it may have been stubborn to a point where he didn't allow Lazard to get on the field as maybe at the time that he should have. Uh, but we are out of time guys. We went for a little over what we're supposed to. So thank you guys for sticking with us through all of that. Uh, this is pulse of the pack. We are every Sunday for the time being, we've got some lineup stuff and everything coming as the season gets closer. And we will tell you all about those things as they go. Follow us on Twitter. You guys see it at the bottom line at game on Wisconsin, like us on Facebook game on Wisconsin, subscribe to us on YouTube at game on Wisconsin. And if you have any questions about anything, game on is where you can find our logo. We've learned, we've grown, we've continued to grow here. We've been going about three weeks. We have, about 1,500 Twitter followers. Thank you for that. We have about 200 YouTube subscribers. We want to continue to grow, but we can only do that with your guys' help. So tell us, tell your friends everything as the season gets going. But we've got a lot of good stuff coming as the season gets rolling. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. I write on Mondays. I kind of am the one in controls of the ship, if you will. So if there's something that needs to be done, I'm the one who's going to help with that as much as I can. But I can't do that without my comrades. That's Jason Perone. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Jason Perone. And Paul Brettel, at Paul underscore Brettel. And I will not entertain his alter ego any longer. Thank you to our guest, Dan Plucker. <laughs> He's at Dan on the fan. You can find him over at 105.7, the fan. We appreciate him for stopping by. This week, 
tomorrow, we've got our doubleheader. We've got Happy Hour with Maggie Loney and Perry Goldstein answering your questions. And the Freezer Podcast, Sanjay Murthy, Fred Thurston, and Matt Jensen hopping in and uh, bringing the funk, as those guys like to say. So I appreciate them for coming on. Jason, you've got an episode of Quick Slants coming up this week, so we are excited for that. And as the season gets closer, guys, there's a lot of content, trust me, and we're going to have something for just about everybody. Uh, we're working on some stuff, but I got to keep that as a little under wraps for the moment, but I promise there's some exciting stuff that we're still got in the works and ready to roll uh, as we get closer to the season. And the Kenny Clark giveaway, like I mentioned, I will grab this photo one more time. It is an autographed photo of Kenny Clark, the newest extended Green Bay Packer. Go to our Twitter page at GameOnWI. Check out our pinned tweet for instructions, but you can just check it out. I'll give it very simple. You have to follow the Twitter account and retweeting it gives you an extra entry and let us know who you think has more rushing yards next season, AJ Dillon or Jamal Williams, Justin backwards. Thanks for joining us. Don't get a speeding ticket next time. Just make sure you're home. And uh, Janelle, thank you for telling us that we had a great show. We appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, Bill Huber used to say this all the time and I'm appreciative. And I think it's something smart of him to say and think is if you guys weren't paying attention, we're just writing a diary and a bunch of idiots throwing hot air into microphones. If nobody's watching So we appreciate you next week. Paul will not be here, which is sad. That always makes me upset when Paul's not here. What? Uh, I forget why. I'll be got a wedding in Iowa. Gotcha. So he's got a wedding in Iowa, but we do have a special guest, and I promise you she is way cooler than Paul is. The great mm -hmm. Michelle Bruton will be joining us next week. So, Michelle, we are excited to have you in here. Uh, guys, thank you for everything all throughout this time. It's been a lot of fun and we're only going to continue growing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will see you guys next week and go pack go.